Welcome back to The Postscript, a podcast about films whose discourses ended with an ellipsis rather than a period. I'm Chris Hall. I'm Sebastian. And I'm Mateo. And on this podcast, we will be reassessing films of recent memory where the discourse was left unsettled. We will try to provide more definitive takes on films that generated a lot of buzz upon release, but the reputations have since become a bit murky. Movies that make you ask, where are they now? Last week, we discussed Alfonso Cuaron's space opus, Gravity, which we ultimately deemed to be just a banger wrongfully lost to time and kind of taken for granted. This week, we will be talking about the once long-awaited sequel, The Incredibles 2. So, are we going to talk about it? Why? The elephant in the room. Why elephant? Mom's new job. It's time to make some wrong things right. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes, and Elastigirl is our best play. Better than me? This was director Brad Bird's 2018 follow-up to the 2004 Pixar classic, The Incredibles. And in this film, we follow The Incredibles as they try to restore the public's trust in superheroes while balancing their family life only to combat a new opponent who seeks to turn the populace against all supers. I would like to remind the viewer that the first half of this podcast is spoiler-free, as we broadly discuss the timeline of this film and our existing thoughts on it before re-watching the film and doing a deep dive. So, I want to start here. Similar to Gravity, this film, from the outside, was a massive success, right? 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 80 on Metacritic, which may not be Gravity's 96, but as someone who follows Metacritic really closely, if a film is in the 80s, it kind of becomes a must-see for me. Like, that is a very, very strong score still. Box office, it made $1.2 billion, making it the highest-grossing Pixar film of all time, which is, uh, again, kind of speaks for itself in a lot of ways. This was, was a big, big movie. It did not win Best Animated Film, though, at the Oscars. That went to Spider-Verse. So... Why this movie, right? Again, was a success in so, so many ways. While that may be the case, even in the moment, the shadow of the first film did very much so loom over The Incredibles 2. Like I said at the end of the last podcast, I've never really had a conversation about this movie that wasn't just, it's not as good as the first, but, you know, it's fine. Like, every single conversation always starts with, it's not the first, right? Like, if you're doing a Pixar ranking and you have The Incredibles 2 over The Incredibles, like, you're probably going to be banned from giving any type of take for a while. Like, <laughs> you're just, you're you're going on, on a chat cooldown for a minute if you're ranking <laughs> above one. Like, let, let's just get real here, right? That's a 24-hour ban for sure. Yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah, why, <laughs> yeah, go just, like, sit the next few plays out, you know? And so, like, the, the Incredibles is universally considered not only, like, one of Pixar's best, but one of the best just superhero films, like, of this century. It is a bona fide classic. And between that and just the 14-year wait between movies, like, it was a near impossible task to meet expectations. Like, it's... It, it, it kind of had a raw deal in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. A, a DJ yeah. Khaled suffering from success moment, if you if you yeah. will. And all and, of this... And yes. you had to beat out. You had to beat out the Rise of the Underminer GameCube game. <laughs> Dude, how are, you gonna, God. how are you going to no, beat that game out? Oh, that is, that is not fair. I was going <laughs> to use that as my introduction <laughs> for my experience with a movie. That, no, oh, I, so I, quick detour... 
if if anyone who worked on that game was listening, you cooked. Like that game would so <laughs> That's what I'm hard. saying. Oh my goodness. That like literally it filled I, it, the it hole for the movie sequel for a decade. Like <laughs> it filled the hole yeah. in our hearts for a while. And the day it became not canon upon release, it's bittersweet. Bittersweet. This is all exactly why we want to talk about this film. You know, it's like now that we are removed from the moment and the capital E expectations that we had. Like, how good, or even how great was this film? So that's what we're going to try to figure out. I want to throw it to you guys, okay? What was your guys' experiences with this movie, okay? Where does it sit in your mind in 2023? I remember my anticipation for this film. It it was probably, like, top three anticipated movie of, I think it was 2018. Yeah. Um, just, just do, I mean, I Incredibles 1 is my favorite Pixar film. Mm-hmm. So the sequel was just already going to be like an unimaginable amount of hype for me. And uh, similar to Force Awakens, to be honest, I, I feel like there was just a lot of pressure to kind of bring back that feeling of classic nostalgia while also reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, w- when you ask for a legacy sequel of this magnitude, you're asking for a lot. And the thing was, Brad, for a while before we even knew the movie was happening, was was kind of hyping the movie up himself, going like, "Listen, mm-hmm. I finally found the script that <laughs> that is worth you know making a sequel for Incredibles it. too." Yeah, Ex- yeah, that he he, he uh, found the key. So that got all of us like really intrigued. To, like, what what was the secret sauce? What's the Krabby Patty formula <laughs> that made this movie happen? So that immediately was the intrigue that created the hype and the mystique around it for me before the movie came out. And what I thought about it when it came out, that's another question. I'll let Mateo take it from here. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to lie. I I love the first Incredibles. And the first Incredibles is probably, I mean, it's it's between that and Ratatouille for like my favorite Pixar movie, like easily. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just like a beautiful movie. Like probably one of the first like movies that I remember going to see in a theater was the Incredibles. Mm. Like, Same. Mm-hmm. and like all throughout my childhood, it was like, if you feel bad, like that's the movie you put on. Yeah. But I think the sequel, like I, you know, I heard it get announced, but I, I was kind of, I don't know. I, I guess it kind of like flew past me, and I didn't end up seeing it until like two months after it came out. Wow. Okay. And I remember going into the theater alone, and I was like <laughs> not really in a great mood, and I just <laughs> oh, kind of no. like walked into this theater, and I sat down, and it's like basically empty because. You know, it's like it was like a daytime showing two months into the movie's release. Yeah, yeah. private screening. I just remember yeah. like sitting there and that opening scene, I was like, I, I almost started crying. It was like the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. Like <laughs> it just like instantly took me back. Wow. It was it was incredible. It was it was everything I wanted it to be for those first like 15 minutes. And I was kind of riding that high the rest of the movie. And I honestly I don't think I even remember anything past those first 15 minutes <laughs> just because of the wave of euphoria I was on. So I'm, I'm really wow. excited to get back to it to like actually remember the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's not yeah. where I thought you were going with that. that, that, that that's really that's really interesting. I was ready to do some I thought I was going to take a dark turn. but That is amazing to hear that. Like it's, it had enough juice, at least in the beginning, to, to turn your day around like that. But again, it, but it seems like kind of with the rest of us, maybe our opinions on the movies as a whole is is kind of buried beneath other other layers of, you know, of expectation or just other variables, you know, 
Yeah. From what I remember from my experience watching the movie, it I do remember thinking like, okay, like this is undeniably well made. This is a very, very good animated film. Like that shouldn't be taken away from it. We shouldn't, you know, denigrate it too much. But I really, really could not shake that pit in my stomach of like 14 years. Like it took 14 years for us to get this. And, and, and like you were saying it, like Brad Bird, like he was on the record saying like, like we weren't going to make this movie unless the idea was right, unless it could be better than the original. That was the narrative the film was kind of being released under, which it was smelling a little bit like Cap, like in the in the moment, just a little <laughs> bit. And like, and you know, we wanted to believe it was coming again from a place of like earnestness and in the idea that like they truly had the story they wanted to tell. And Bradbury was even talking about, you know, it's like it, is this was being released like at like the height of power of the MCU, and it's like, what are you doing to kind of you know counterbalance that and he was like oh i he was like i want to avoid the tropes of superhero movies i've always been way more interested in the family dynamic of the incredibles and so like it really seems like his head was in the right place for this movie but again like i i know i just like couldn't shake it and i'm like like 2018 me was not much of a social media post but even i i think threw up a snap story of just like i've like completed like three cycles of education waiting for this movie like i got like i completed like <laughs> elementary school middle school high school like we a lot of life has passed waiting for this Janssen and like and it was good but again it was the good comma but and not in an overly yeah. positive way which is a little bit of a bummer but i want to i want to dive into brad bird for a sec because he Again, he he he's in the center of all this. You know, all all rows of this conversation kind of lead back to him. So first of all, so he was the director mm. of this film. He was the director of the first Incredibles, and he has he does not have many movies to his name. He has a really really unique filmography. So his first movie ever was The Iron Giant in 1999, an Beautiful. animation classic. His second film, The Incredibles 2004, an animation classic, <laughs> like one one best yeah. animated feature. His film after that, Ratatouille 2007, Mateo's other. Other favorite Pixar film. Like this guy, like again, you can retire after that. Like that, that is enough. Those are <laughs> seriously that is a, a padded resume already. Four years later, he makes his live action debut with Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And as good <laughs> of a live action debut as you can get, because he just like kind of resuscitates the Mission Impossible franchise, gives it a soft reboot, proves he's not just a one-trick pony of animation. And then in 2015, this is this is a rabbit hole, but he makes Tomorrowland, uh, which is on paper is the ultimate why wasn't this a heater film like it is just like because up until this point brad bird is batting a thousand and is given just a blank check to make whatever he wants damon lindelof the showrunner of lost the leftovers like watchmen super awesome writer had co-writing credits it's got our boy george in it george clooney he's like george clooney yeah is in it in another world this is like the chris core movie but it's Definitely not this world. I will say I'll say this much. <laughs> I, I remember watching it on planes, being like, "What happened to you?" Like, they, like never, never let bro cook again. Like this is maybe no, I was I saw the movie in theaters. That was like an opening night type of movie. Yeah, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe that's why maybe that's why you, why you waited two months for Incredibles two, just the the Tomorrowland <laughs> effect. Yeah, the opening night Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, for all we know, maybe it's a misunderstood classic. Maybe I'll turn my Twitter account into like a Tomorrowland reclamation project. But uh, but that seems like a project for future, Chris. So that, <laughs> or never, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Or a never, Chris. <laughs> um, and then he follows that up with his last film to this date, The Incredibles 2 in 2018. Again, we all we all want to trust Brad Bird. We all, we all want to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? We, we love where his head was at. 
And that's kind of where I'm going to this rewatch. You know, it's like, I still have a lot of faith in him. Like it, it really does feel liberating the idea of going into this rewatch of just being like, okay, like let's just view this as its own movie. And I'm just going to assume that Brad did give this everything he had. Like this wasn't a like, oh, like Pixar, like made him an offer. He can't refuse. Like the, the check had just mm. like, it, like, uh, like eye rolling with dollar signs, amount of zeros, like, I, I, I'm going to go into this believing that like, this is what, this is the story he wanted to tell. And he just pulled out all, all the tricks in his bag for it, you know? And, and again, and one thing I'm looking forward to, and, and Seb, you touch on this a little bit, but like, I, I mean, Brad, I mean, he's clearly a master of animation. He knows how to construct an action sequence. And I know at the minimum, like, I, I feel like a newfound freedom he had, I'm sure with animation 14 years removed. I'm sure he did do some really exciting stuff there that I may not have appreciated in the moment and may have found itself in his, in the action sequences that may just totally stand out to me and may may completely blow mm-hmm. me away this time. So that that's what I'm hoping for. But but where are you guys at? What are what is your like best case scenario for this rewatch? I mean, I remember particularly the animation being a massive discussion as well around the film. Like people mm-hmm. would take stills like just from the movie and look at like the hair follicles on someone's <laughs> shirt. And be like, look at it, you know, <laughs> like the, the amount of detail that they'd be putting mm-hmm. into the animation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it wildly enough, I, I I do wonder, you know, in the universe where Spider Verse comes out maybe a year later from Incredibles two, mm-hmm. that it's not up against that kind of comparison because I feel like mm-hmm. that in of itself did kind of hurt Incredibles two because it wasn't pioneering; it was just a big step in advancement in their technology that already existed. Burnishing the brand a bit as opposed to, you know, taking a huge detour in yeah. style-wise. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, it, which is kind of a metaphor for what the movie maybe have done itself is that it, you know, took what the original did, tried some new ideas, but was kind of still working around the same framework mm-hmm. of what made the original successful. Whereas, like, I don't know why I'm now all of a sudden making this Spider-Verse comparison, but, like, Spider-Verse is like literally... <laughs> breaking ground in almost like every category so it, spider spider verse does have a pretty traditional you know rise to hero arc at least for miles but that you know it, it does follow that's, a lot, that's a lot fair. of those common beats but but I, but again but it was a it was a breath of fresh air in so many ways especially in yeah. a world that was like so dominated by pixar until that point it's like pixar was sweeping every like every animated oscar for that decade so it, i was it, just gonna say maybe maybe there was the fatigue of pixar at the mm-hmm. time I, I i'm wondering if that played into a bit of you know we were at the end of the pixar sure. reign because you know we we know for sure lately pixar is batting i don't even know what what like below 200 for yeah. sure so it's just one of those things that i i do think fatigue is uh, a factor in the why is it one of these movies of where is it now yeah, they, I, now that you say it, yeah, Pixar has not. I don't think Pixar has really bounced back from the pandemic quite, mm. quite yet. Yeah, Soul was their latest hit, I'd say. Yeah, still. touching up on on what Chris said a little bit too. At least for me, in the five years since that movie has come out, I think my like IQ for like action and movies mm. is like a lot higher than it was five years no, ago. No, absolutely. I, mean, yeah. I think like I've seen a lot more, and I. I think I, I I like really have a lot more appreciation for like a well-constructed action sequence and like absolutely and Brad Bird's is such a creative like manipulator of space and like orienting it mm. and making it exciting and I really really am excited to see that uh to mm. see him do something in this movie that I guess I 
yeah, I wasn't really as big on uh, in the moment. It's it's disappointing. I haven't seen uh, Ghost Protocol, uh, his Mission Impossible movie, but oh, wow, okay. I want to see. I want to see how he how he kind of like weaves through the mystery of it because the mm-hmm. narrative of that first Incredibles film, like this, the 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 mystery surrounding Syndrome and like what he's doing on this island and like why are they making him fight these robots? And you have that fantastic scene where he finds out the Kronos password from like gazer beams like etched in the cave <laughs> and he logs into the computer and I'm just talking through about the whole movie now but like that whole, <laughs> that whole sequence like I want to see him recreate that I guess now obviously with um you know Elastigirl with Alan Parr instead of uh mm. so I'm excited for all of that yeah 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 I totally agree with everything you said and and I and I really love what you said about having a new set of eyes, a newfound appreciation for just inventiveness and creativity and action sequences because, and, and to go on what Seb was saying as well is yeah, not, not only was it kind of buckling on, underneath the pressure of being a sequel to the Incredibles, it was being compared to I mean, not only the first Incredibles, but the Spider-Verse. And again, it's important to remember that this was also coming out at the height of the MCU, at the height of a different type of, mm. uh, of superhero film. Like this was... Uh, I mean, the same summer as Infinity War, right? Maybe a couple yeah. months after. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is and, and so Black even, Panther. Ex- yeah, and so it's literally it's the way we watch superhero movies was different back then because because we were again watching it through the lens of Marvel and probably watching action scenes, superhero action scenes through that lens as well. And so now that we again we couldn't be more removed from those eras and from those heights of power, it, it will. It, it. I'm getting excited right now just thinking about yeah, just viewing this movie on its own terms right and that's it. I'm, it's again, right. kind, of, kind of the point of this podcast you know <laughs> so i'm um, i'm really really looking forward to that so yeah any any last thoughts i'm still thinking about the gamecube game uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. i want to go like just like dig through my old ps2 games and just play it now um but yeah no it, i i am very excited for this rewatch particularly because I remember the action being like stellar. I, like mm-hmm. that was like, I was like buzzing about the action when I came out. I remember coming out of the theater and this is kind of weird, but I was like, I remember being like very much letterbox brain back then being like mm. seven out of 10, but, but the action was <laughs> immaculate. Right. So I'm wondering if there's going to be a change there. I, I know that the third act was a bit rough for me on my first watch. I don't have mm-hmm. a ton of memory of it right now. Which is why I'm I'm pretty excited to, to go in kind of fresh again. I'm looking on Letterbox now, and yeah, a, a 3.4 average rating for The Incredibles too, which is like that below a seven out of ten. Like that, like that is again, again compared to its accomplishments on paper, is kind of stark. And again, it's it's just the power of of just expectations and and, and all these things that go into into just assessing art. So so yeah, uh, I'm super pumped to uh, jump back into it. And so Mateo, anything anything else on your mind? I, I did kind of like scroll through because I guess I was not really as plugged into like the film discourse uh, mm-hmm. five years ago. And mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like looked around and I tried to like look at like negative reviews there's not that many like from like the traditional press like mm-hmm. negative reviews mm-hmm. for the film mm-hmm. but a lot of stuff on youtube like a lot of like kind of like very popular like watched video essayists and stuff like uh, really mm-hmm. kind of like tearing the movie apart a little bit and I, I don't remember seeing that 
when I saw the movie. Like I just wasn't connected to that. And so I would see that stuff like kind of later on as as time went on. And so a lot of it seems to be kind of like focused around the narrative, especially the villain. I think there's a lot of hate for for the villain story in this one. That's and that's Girl, that's, that's so important you mentioned that too. Uh, the more we're talking, I'm just like, did this come out at the worst time possible? Because yes, not like it's 2018, or that's also in, in a post Last Jedi world where like again, like the these like you two kind of almost pseudo critics who just you know make a living off of just tearing pieces of art apart like they were at the peak of their powers and in a lot of ways too it's people at this time back in movie culture it really did feel like people were just feasting off and just living off of just again just tearing apart and just picking apart movies like this especially movies with expectations as large as this one like it's this movie was in such an unwinnable scenario and Shoot, I'm starting to feel bad for this movie, man. Like, <laughs> like yeah, even, yeah. Even, even if I'm like, it's like, it's fine. Even after we watch it, and I'm like, this is just okay. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna be such an apologist. But <laughs> Give it the, the courtesy eight out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when people have such so much Marvel brain, there's so much like ownership over the movie. It's like this is what the movie should have been, and, mm. and, and just all these things. And mm. Gosh, that's just such a such a frustrating. I like that word. I like ownership. Ownership is a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, movie yeah, discourse very much around that time was about like knowing better than the creator, almost like yeah, people yeah, like very like, much so. like the 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 Reddit brain of like I could write a story better than this. Yeah, and be like, oh, Violet wouldn't have done that. It's like, relax, bro. It's like, yeah. what do you know about Violet? <laughs> it's like, that's what people would say. And it, it's just, you know, yeah. assessing the movie on, you know, the things it didn't do as opposed to the, uh, the choices it did make. And it's just what it does. Yeah. All, and all these criticisms yeah. about things other than the film itself and, and, and the actual quality and filmmaking of it. So, so yeah, that, that feels yeah. like a good note to end it on. Looking forward to this rewatch. And so hopefully, you know, you all you all have an open mind to revisit too. And you're not just like, oh, the the admittables. I don't know. The, <laughs> the <laughs> mid-credibles mid too. I don't need to rewatch. Hopefully give it another chance like us. Uh, or you can just listen to our second half anyways. You don't necessarily have to rewatch it right away with us to listen to that if you've already seen it. Or if you're just like freak spoilers, I haven't seen the movie I'm diving in. That works too. So yeah, okay. Thank you guys for listening this far. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back uh, one Incredibles 2 rewatch later. Yes. Sir. Oh, and, and yes, sir. mandatory screenslaver awaits. Screenslaver awaits. That's actually, <laughs> that's the biggest expectation. I'm ready to tweet out like screenslaver greater than signed Thanos or something like that. Like villain, villains of 2010's <laughs> ranked. That's enough screenslaver. Screenslaver one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, see you guys on the other side. The Screen Slater interrupts this program for an important announcement. Suit up. It might get weird. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. And we are back. Us three have defeated Screen Slaver. Um, we have we have saved the <laughs> saved the city once again. Okay, Mateo, I'm gonna throw the ball to you. How about you just you just kick us off? Give us your just your general thoughts on your experience with the the Incredibles two no subtitle. So I I told the story in the pre about you know going to the theater and that that beautiful emotional experience I had, and I'm sitting down to watch this movie again, and I already know what's coming and I know what to expect. And the exact same nostalgia wave just like blasts me in the face. And it's like, That's it's amazing. just like instant again. Like you just can't control it. It's so beautiful. 
and I know like this is a major thing that people brought up at the time. The animation is so, so, so beautiful in this film. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and it it's obviously 14 years later, a a big step up from the original. And it in that opening, it's playing so much with like contrast and color. Like it, it almost like feels like concept art brought to life. Mm. Kind of like prefiguring a little bit some trends we'd see now in animation with with stuff like Spider Verse, which came out the same year, but also like you know Puss in Boots. Now, kind of we're getting a lot more stylization, and I you feel you feel little touches of that in Incredibles too, and it's it's really nice. <laughs> it's really nice. Yeah, I want to take you back off of the opening, uh, Mateo. There, there's the moment where it, the movie knows how big of a thing it is when it does the black title card just pixar presents <laughs> and it cuts to like the interrogation room very silent gray room but it has like the lamp and it's like it's very dramatic <laughs> and there's something about starting off the incredible with that kind of scene is it it, it just grabs your attention immediately <laughs> i'm i'm so glad you mentioned that because like i was gonna say like i am just in general, I am such a sucker for when the opening credits, it's like when the opening title like cuts all the sound, when it's like audio, 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 and she's like, something presents. Like I, that adds a half star to my rating every time I see it. Like that is the, is the easiest trick in the book. And that's, and I, I want to take a, a, a really quick detour because like you're, it's so dramatic and serious, but like I, I, I do, one thing I do want to compliment the movie for is that I was, uh, thinking earlier it's like this movie and thinking about during the movie it's like the movie of course is very very easy to be enjoyed by children but i love how this movie does not pander at all like this is not the kids are not coming first <laughs> in this film you know like this is this is very much so like an all audience movie and it's like it is so refreshing when you see the film is equally created for the adults as with the children like it's very much so like a mature like adult like if you hear like screen slavers like monologue like out of context it's just like that's <laughs> like you know it's like yeah that's not inherently from a children's film yeah, i mean it's directly lifting from like french continental philosophy of the 20th century like, <laughs> it's i was like i was like watching that and like it is is the screenslaver quoting like jean baudrillard right now like <laughs> it's ridiculous like the references that it's making Crazy for that movie to go no. there. Crazy for that movie to go there. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that whole, like, oh, it's not actually a kid's movie. It's like, we're not pulling that number. But it, it, it's cool that the movie doesn't feel restrained or 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 with one hand behind its back, but because of its Pixar yeah. potential, like, animated children's, you know, limitations. Like, it feels like an adult made it, which is really cool. But but circling yeah. back to, to what Mateo said, about how just beautiful the animation is and and yeah you're absolutely right it's so colorful it, it's the lighting it, it is so gorgeous especially in those like night street shots is is so so mm. dynamic and i just and I, I just have to share this i was talking with my roommate earlier um about the movie and she's like she told me how he knows five people five different people they, these people do not know each other these are independent people from different aspects of like different areas of his life that like all of their like wallpapers on their computer are the house from the incredibles too like it's like, <laughs> the house the incredibles living <laughs> they just like for some reason that's just 
that's just like such a visually appealing and even like my other friend that was like the biggest thing she remembered was just the house and i i, I don't know why this house had such an impact on viewers <laughs> but like i mean the, the interior designer is cooked i mean where all the all the cultural impact critics are real silent right now hearing that hearing, <laughs> that, hearing that half a dozen folks have the incredibles two house as their wallpaper but i i just thought that was funny and and, and, and had to share that but but no, but, yeah. but but back to you, Seb, just generally speaking, like how was your experience with this film this time around? Or maybe what was your biggest takeaway? I felt like my, I was going through the same motions of watching it for the first time. I feel like I like, mm. you know, went back into my 19 year old self and was like <laughs> experiencing the movie kind of very similarly. I, I was like mentally kind of going through the same beats of just like, I like this. I don't know if I like that. I'll, I'll be honest, it was a bit of a turbulent ride at times for me. The mm -hmm. beginning started very strong, though. And I, and I was like, it delivered on the whole uh, Underminer thing. They didn't have to do that, but they did. And that was <laughs> a lot of fun. And uh, one, one of my favorite, maybe my favorite scene is literally just Bob and Helen, like, by the pool. And the lighting oh, of that being yes, absolutely... Thank you so much. And I'm just talking it out about, like, do I do I go back and get a job? Is it my turn? Like, like them just having this insanely real conversation which goes back to what you were saying chris but like it's it's also for for adults like <laughs> yes, everyone relates so. to those kind of conversations where you bring yourself down to real uh realism but like the lighting of the pool just the pool talks mm. it doesn't get better than that you know <laughs> no <laughs> so, absolutely I, like that it was like during that pool scene i, I made a note to myself i'm like Again, when the animated film feels so much more human in breathing with real life than again than so many of its like yeah. you know superhero colleagues i'm like I mean, that alone is that's like a microcosm of kind of the strength of this movie. Like, even with the bumps, it's like the human drama is still so rich and like in the family drama is so well done. It's like that will always keep the floor of this movie so high because it's like, oh, I, I care about these people, like not just if they save the day. It's like, you know, I care about their, their relationships. Absolutely. You know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to say something because you, you did bring up like kind of comparing it to other superhero films. Mm -hmm. Something that I made a note of. You know, obviously, like all of these like big franchise movies now, there's a big emphasis, you know, a lot of times to the detriment of the film on like fan service and like deliver, like bringing those deliverables to like your core audience. Mm. And mm. this movie definitely has those moments. But I think because it's the characters that you love so much and that they're like connections are like genuinely emotional and not just like, oh, I know this character from <laughs> a Wikipedia article. Like, yeah, the fact that it's like a genuine like connection to the character makes it so much more special. Like in that, you know, I, I hate going back to the scene, but I love it so much. The 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 underminer, like that whole chase, like when Frozone shows up, <laughs> it's it, it's just the perfect character intro. And it's like everybody loves this guy. Like, yeah, it's just like beautiful icing on the cake. And literally it, it, it could be so much more annoying to to have a moment yes. like that in a movie. Mm. and it's just not it's just it's just beautiful that is that that's really really well said i and i fully agree it like the fan service can kind of be an, an overused term you know and it's like at its worst it's when it's just the the dicaprio pointing meme just like oh i recognize that and it's just like all right man <laughs> but at its at its best is it's when it's just you know when it's beyond fan service like it, it's like when when no way home came out a lot of the reason for the praise of that movie is that like the Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire at all wasn't it wasn't just them showing up it wasn't just fan service it's like wait like Andrew Garfield has like 
emotional heft in an arc in this movie. Like they like, mm-hmm. like he's he's carrying some of the emotional drama in this movie. Like this is this is not just remember this guy. And again, that goes with this. It's like it's like of course, like of course you have to have an Edna Mode scene in this. But mm-hmm. but it's not just her. It's not a rehash, you know. It, it, it's not just her doing her just doing her Edna Mode bit again. It's still like it feels earned within the movie. And that was uh, one of the things I would say I admire most about the film was that it is very much so in conversation with the first movie without trying to replicate it. And in fact, I think it's actively resisting trying to be the first movie in a lot of ways uh, between it's like the first movie is all about. It's like, we need to lift the superhero restrictions. Like it's like free, free our boys. But this one's it's like, are there consequences for that? It, it's exploring the other, you know, sides of the coin from the first film. And it, it, like in the same way, they very like overtly flip the roles of Mr. And Mrs. Incredible. Like it's just taking the themes of the first yep. and flipping it on its head. And which is, it, it just seems so obvious that that's the move, but mm-hmm. it's just so refreshing that it did that. But unfortunately, this movie did come out at a time where actively not providing the same sensation and feeling that your predecessor did, especially when the predecessor was 14 years ago, like you were most likely to get punished for doing that. Yeah. Like, because again, 14 years removed, it's people are like, I'm ready for round two of The Incredibles, but this movie is very, very consciously trying to do something different while still in conversation with the first, which I do think it is an accomplishment in its own right. So what are you thinking right now? I think the themes that the film is is trying to tackle and like the reversing mm-hmm. of the gender roles, it's admirable. And I, and I think like Brad does, has some really good moments um, and, and with the writing with that, especially the phone call scenes and like, you know, Bob trying to kind of humble himself a little bit. And that's what mm-hmm. I still enjoyed about the film is I'm like, what they're doing here, I, I really like. I just like, I couldn't find myself engaged all the time because it felt like the movie at times was just trying to hit a beat and then move on. Like it wasn't sitting yes. enough. Whereas the first one, it, it felt like it, it let those moments sit a bit better. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And when the film was at its best, Incredibles 2, is when it's in those atmospheric moments of pause where like, for example, Elastigirl, when she's finally going on her missions and she's like just sitting on her motorcycle and is having a conversation about like, isn't this like silly that like I'm like waiting for crime to happen? Like small moments like that. Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. And you get to kind of like see her just watching the city or get really excited about like a train heist happening. Yeah. Those are great to me. Because it's yeah. not, it's it's like non-plot related moments are <laughs> when Incredibles, when it's at its best, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like technically the first Incredibles between Bob and Helen when they're like talking about whether Dash should like try out for the team. Like that's not technically plot related but those are just great moments. They're great character moments. And that's what makes, I think, the moments in these in movies so rich. And, like, you want to keep enjoying these characters. So that's that's my take on it, at least. Yeah, no, I did, absolutely. And it, it's, like, the coloring in between the lines is definitely what, what separates this film from, again, from some of his kind yeah. of contemporaries and colleagues. Mateo, yeah. what are you thinking right now? Yeah, I think I, think I agree uh, for the most part. And you know it's it it, it kind of it has to come back to this as much as maybe we want to avoid it, but like just comparing it to the first movie, like I think what sets, I think Incredibles one like a cut above like to the point where obviously like I think it's like pretty unanimously considered to be like a top mm-hmm. three superhero film of all time mm-hmm. is I think just the script is so 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 tight in that first movie. Like mm-hmm. I think even the division between like kind of like the domestic and you know what Mr. Incredible is doing out there on that island mm-hmm. is 
it flows a lot more cleanly, I think. I agree. Than in this movie. I, I, like my one my one thing that I would say about Incredibles 2 is that sometimes I get the impression that it's a lot of like really like fun ideas that are kind of like forced to be together. Mm, yeah. You have like, for example, the absolutely hilarious scenes where Bob is like kind of struggling with Jack Jack's like completely insane powers. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, they're completely hilarious, but like that almost feels like its own movie. And then what mm-hmm. Elastigirl's doing is its own movie and Violet's date is its own movie because I think the resolution of all those different streams doesn't really like it doesn't tie together i think i completely agree yes i i think the tie the tying it together is so so hard to pull off and i think that's what incredibles one does so well that incredibles two struggles a little bit even if those individual parts on their own are such a blast i i think yes i i i I, I fully agree i think the the gel in between all the the moving parts of this movie is it, holding on for dear life, and and I do think I do think at the end of the day it is in many ways I admire the juggling act because I I never felt yeah. I never felt too overwhelmed I, I I always I always felt like I was in good hands you know and I was constantly engaged but that was one of my biggest things leaving the movie I was like okay it's like for better and for worse there was a lot to love but in the sense that. Yeah. This movie is at capacity. Like this is, which taking the positive spin on that, I, I think, and we talked about this a bit in the pregame. I think the movie beats like the, the paycheck allegations. I, I I don't think this is a, like I will take a movie with an overabundance of, of ideas and, and kind of filled to the brim overflowing than something that's half-baked, you know, or something that was uninspired. Because it, it's clear that Brad cares about every moving piece in this. And he, there's so much, Again, like love and thought poured into all of it, even if he is juggling too much. And again, I think the love in it does ultimately read. And I remember reading a review, a review about this movie that said like it's unexpectedly a movie that might require a rewatch because it's so dense. What did they know? Yeah, what? <laughs> even in even in action scenes, I'm like, it, like, there will be like an eight second duel with Void, and I'm like, can, can we run that back? I'm like that like. There was like he, yeah. he very effortlessly just did some of the most like intricate action like staging I've seen. I was like, what was that? Like it's it's just like it's almost like stimulus overload in a way of some of the things that's happening. It's like everything I'm watching, I'm liking, but again, it, it's the gel that's a bit of a concern, right? And this moves me into and, and forgive me if, I, if I'm monologuing a little too long right now, but this kind of uh, I feel like almost all my feelings kind of stem from this thing that I was able to put into words last night that I wasn't able to a few years ago I was watching and I was like I, I felt like um like the great Poe Dameron and Forrest Wiggins when he's like this thing really moves <laughs> he's like, this, like this movie like I was like for as filtered the brim of this movie is I was like it's pretty light on its feet like there's not really a dull moment I was like I, you know I, it doesn't feel too clumsy but on the flip side you could just as easily spin the pacing as kind of the film falling victim to the breakneck pacing that a lot of its contemporaries uh, in 2018 and yeah. now have been guilty of. And, and even if this is the case, I think this movie does it a lot more meaningfully than a lot of Marvels do. Again, it's like we want to avoid comparing it to the first view as its own thing, but it is inevitable. The chapters of the first movie, and this probably maybe speaks to the script in a lot of ways, the chapters of the first film are so defined and ingrained in my mind. 
the beats are so distinct and, and the structure and flow of the story and all the character beats are just like so, so like cogent and easy yeah. to parse. And this film feels a lot more like a melting pot. And, and my ultimate thesis about this film that I came to, and, and believe me, this this is, I, I, I will land the plane right now, I promise you, <laughs> is that, and this is where I think a lot of my uneasiness about this film comes from, even though I do love so much of it, is that while the film has countless great moments, it doesn't have many, this may sound silly, uh, not great scenes. It feels like it doesn't have many scenes or like extended sequences. It's all these quick little bits. It's like, I hate to, I, I admire this movie so much and I don't want to apply this, but like I'm getting like TikTok syndrome from it. It's just this like these constant <laughs> little, it's like the Roman Roy. He's like, give me the parcels. Like give me the little bits. I'm like, I'm enjoying all these like great little moments and all these great little interactions. But aside from like the like Elastigirl set pieces or like Jack-Jack versus the raccoon, like you don't get to live in a space for very long. And, and that's why I think when you were like, it's the quieter moments when it's just like, Mrs. Incredible on a bite, just kind of like talking about her inner thoughts. Like those shine through because it's like, can we just like catch a breath and really like, you know, like let these things kind of sink? And everything just kind of all starts to blend together. It's like the, the acts get a little blurry. And the thing that keeps me on the positive side of this movie is that it still feels intentional. And I, I think, again, I think Brad Bird is still the master and it feels like a really strong juggling act in a lot of ways, but it's so hard to like land these final punches and payoffs when you're, when you're struggling to slow down a little bit, you know? And, and so that's just, I know I just kind of brain dumped right there. And so, and so I, I'll throw it to you guys now. <laughs> now. Okay. Like, where do you, how does that read for you? Guys? That was, that was very elegantly said, Chris. Like, I, I think that's just <laughs> Thank like you. A, great, a great way of kind of summing up where, where this film probably fell flat for a lot of people. And to, to be honest, it helps put, you know, what I have been saying about like not sitting into probably a lot better uh, of a phrase uh, <laughs> or phrasing. I could definitely see that like Brad had so many ideas in the past like 14 years that he wanted to put into this movie. Mm -hmm. And so he was just like, I'm doing all of them. <laughs> and so like, the, and the, that's the thing is like, there's moments where you have like, what's her face, uh, the screen slaver, uh, girl uh Dever. Uh, yeah, evelyn Dever. evelyn Dever. Oh, yeah. evelyn, evelyn is like doing her monologue uh which is ironically what the first movie made fun of um and <laughs> she's like talking about how superheroes make people weak like the normal people weak and mm -hmm. i'm like that's interesting i wish this movie would explore that outside of this one conversation that they feel like, like that they're doing and mm -hmm. like and it's exactly what you're saying it's the tiktok syndrome like they just they keep moving past like they're like okay we hit that beat let's go to the next one let's get to the next beat like there's there's more to cover there's more to capture and i i just that's what was what i found frustrating about the script because i'm like there are good ideas here i just mm -hmm. wish you would even just flesh out even for two scenes much less three <laughs> but yeah yes. like, i completely agree and i I, I want to talk about the screen slaver a little bit more. <laughs> and I know uh, talk to me, talk to me. Cause I think the screen slaver concept was like, maybe like one of the most like widely panned aspects of the movie that you see online. I think maybe the screen slaver for worse, not for better for worse. Absolutely. Is kind of like one of the lasting legacies of Incredibles two. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, and, and like people kind of like ridicule the, I mean, like, some of the mannerisms, I think, of, like, Catherine Keener's vocal performance have been 
kind of like heavily criticized. I don't really care about that stuff that much, but mm -hmm. I do think that to your point, Seb, and you know, there's like the, the backstory about how she lost her parents and like the, the dependence on superheroes, but there's also like the secondary uh, post-structuralist thing where she's talking about like the simulation, like how like everything is like a simulation now. And like, yeah. we all, we only, we don't talk we watch talk shows like that whole speech. They're kind of like these two like diverging elements yeah. of the same character. Yeah. If you just focus on one and you you cohere the plot of the movie into that one element. Right. I think the movie's a lot more successful. And mm -hmm. I, I hate to do it, but you go back to Syndrome <laughs> in that first Incredibles movie and the movie sets him up and also sets up like you know, Mr. Incredible's obsession with doing everything by himself and his kind of inability to accept help is what comes back to bite him when Syndrome becomes this like deranged yeah. villain. And yeah. all of Syndrome's motivations come from that like one defining moment. And like, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to like hedge, I guess, with all these different ideas because it has that one idea that's so good. Yes. And you yeah. know, some movies can be a little more complicated. Some movies can, but like, I feel like the movies that do that best are movies that are slower paced and mm. not superhero action films. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel like when you're making a genre movie like that, you got, you kind of got to pick your lane and you got to, mm -hmm. you got to send it down that lane and just do your best. And I think this movie spreads itself too thin. I think, you know, it's been almost 30 minutes and we haven't even mentioned Bob Odenkirk. Like dude, dude, <laughs> like talk, talk about completely way. Wasting such a talent. Like, wasting what? I it. This is my opinion, but he. It's not a memorable performance or character by any means. Like I, I mean, I guess he's kind of a red herring because he could he could be screenslaver. Mm -hmm. But to me, the Evelyn thing was telegraphed from the very beginning. Like mm, like yeah. as soon as you introduce yeah. her, you're like oh. That's totally fair. And of course, I, I was joking earlier. It's like, I love how the character design for Bob Odenkirk was just Bob Odenkirk. Like, I love their life. <laughs> and I think I will say yeah, they are admittedly a, a little thinly written, but I do, I do like at least what they, at least what they represent thematically, you know, because they're kind of the, they're, the two siblings are the polarities of the attitudes towards superheroes kind of in the culture. It's like, you have the excessive fanboy. It's like, they are the solution. And then you have like the opposite and it's like, they are the poison when reality, the, tr the truth kind of lies in the middle somewhere. And I, I, I want to touch on yeah. uh, just a little more on screen slaver is again, <laughs> e easy, easy to meme, but it's like, it's to me, it's like as a whole, as a villain, like I think a lot of aspects have aged well in a lot of ways, especially in this, if we're talking about it within, within the context of, of the superhero era and just like a, very service level sense. I mean, I really appreciate it when the supervillain doesn't have a world domination plot. It's just it like they have yes, yeah. they have an ideal and they're like, this is just what I care about. It's like to quote syndrome or to paraphrase syndrome in a way or to, to recontort. It's like when <laughs> it's like when the world's always at stake, it's never at stake. And that's that's, that's what's happening to Marvel yeah. right now. It's like there's always a, a world threatening crisis, but it's like it's, it's you know, a lot of diminishing returns there. And then the moment we referenced mm -hmm. it earlier, but like it's like the moment. When uh, you know when when Elastigirl when Mrs. Incredible is like 
like I, I don't know how you would describe her traversal. We'll see when she's flying slash traversing through the through through like the 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 city at night, and like the monologue is playing, and you're like, and, you know, Screenslaver's just you know kind of uh, unleashing some tweets on us. And it's like. <laughs> I like uh, again. I'm, I'm watching. I'm like this cinema. Like this is like even if screens are <laughs> no, on the nose, those are the best. It's like the idea of screenslaver spin. I'm like I like give me more of that. And that's why you're saying it's like it's an excess of ideas. But it's like the but the reason I'm still way more positive on this movie than negative is like I like all the ingredients. I like all the ideas. Like like there were there were no real missteps for me in this movie other than. <laughs> Just a quick detour. Other than the whole, it's like, oh, our protagonists are now under the spell of someone. I don't, I don't really rock with that. It's like, they have the mind-controlling glasses, like, just a Chris thing. I just don't like that beat. I don't like that trope. You know, that's just, that just ain't for me. But, like, that, again, doesn't last long, so I'm not getting too hung up on it. Otherwise, it's just like, and, and again, just the mo- it's like the monologue about, like, the, again, the complacency, the detachment found within modern society and, like, the way superheroes contribute to that. I'm like, this will probably only age like wine. Even if it, if it's a little on the nose, like this is this is good stuff. And then uh, that sequence when she, you know uh, she's traversing through the night city that leads to uh to you know the encounter the fight with Screensaver, which is an electrifying set piece. Can I say something? Can I say something about that that seek that cha- uh-huh. that like encounter real quick? My I watched this movie with my dad, and he like we're like sitting there on the couch, and he goes like, "Wow, that was really unnerving." Like he was like genuinely like no mm-hmm. on the edge of his seat, like kind of like tense and clutched up by that whole moment. Like no, I love that. I felt I felt the same way. It's like when um again we're talking about this movie isn't like is so good about not pandering to kids. It's like the moment when she's on the talk show and the guy gets like mid conversation go like gets hypnotized. Like I yeah. was like like again, I don't, don't want to be the like SpongeBob and Patrick like on like like the tiny hump on a roller coaster thing, but like it was like <laughs> unexpectedly unsettling. Again, at least at least when you're going into a, a Pixar film, and then the shot in in the following sequence with the fight with Screenslaver when she's like trying to listen into the door and the camera pans up and he's it's, you just see like it's like the hereditary like Screenslaver shot of him just like waiting in the dark. So I'm like, Brad's cooking right now. He's just like. And I don't know why, yeah. in my mind, he had to, like, fight a battle to get that shot in the film. And they're like, oh, he'll scare the kids. And he's just like, but the shot bangs. Like, that. that's just my headcanon <laughs> of, of, of what happened there. But a, a nice, like, haven't really seen this before. It was, like, the flashing room and this duel with screensaver that was so, so sick. And, and kind of, you know, leads us into a conversation about just the action scenes in general. Is that, like we were saying in the pregame, we're like, Brad is... Uh, you know clearly a master of, of staging action scenes and yeah the staging and editing of all of these like set pieces and action sequences were just so just buttery and just so exciting and just so like even just moments like frozone just blasting some Janssen's like in the house I'm like that is just <laughs> dopamine's firing right now like this is and, and, <laughs> and then if there was if the entire film was just two hours of like the camera like moving with a sprinting mrs incredible like a, a little maneuver that i haven't really seen in like in animation films it's just like so visceral and so amazing like like it's it's a five burger if it's just like two hours of that like i <laughs> i was eating that up the narrow batman hallways in that one like abandoned apartment where that yes. sequence takes place. it's just about like like the setting and the atmosphere it's and yes. legitimately i wanted the entire movie to just be like those missions of mrs incredible oh my like, gosh just, no literally it, yeah. They were so gripping and so like it just yeah the just the way this movie filmed like movement was so again so visceral and exhilarating. I 
between the motorcycle chase or just chasing someone down a hallway. <laughs> yeah, Mateo. Okay, we had in this movie, and I, I I hate to bring this this I hate to bring this to tie this in, but we had a vehicle on the ground chasing a train through a city that is very much designed to look like New York City, and I could not help but think of the French Connection, <laughs> and like it's kind of got that it's kind of got that vibe that whole like oh. uh, that whole like Elastabike chase sequence as she's following them on the ground and she's like trying to keep up with the train that's up there and she's like kind of going against traffic i was like i mean he knows what movies to draw on to like mm-hmm, sure. kind of make this stuff work i love that it, i i really gotta i really have to applaud kind of uh brad bird's you know real film knowledge kind of <laughs> dropping in there no he he's sourced from the right places and i mean even during that chase scene there's like the like small moments where like dash calls and was like asking about like the loss like he lost something those bits are mm-hmm. so good mixed with like how visceral and fast the action is moving that's when like the pacing of the movie the fast pacing is working in favor of the film mm-hmm. yeah when those yeah. kind of mixing the family with the action the movie really sings during that and it's just hurtling towards towards some conclusion yeah well said i also uh i like how creative brad is with powers in this movie Yes. Uh, I think I think he he really explores what I think is my favorite element of Mr. Incredible's skill set, which is not his strength, but rather the fact that he can endure so much physical punishment <laughs> and be seemingly unharmed because they introduce a guy who is bigger and stronger than Mr. Incredible, but he can maybe take like a tenth the amount of punches that Mr. Incredible can. <laughs> like Mr. Incredible gets crushed by the Underminer's like giant drill. Like he's like under the treads of it, and he comes out, and he's still fine. He's still fighting. Like I, I love that. That is that, so so fun. That kills. I'm so glad you brought that up because when that happened, I was like, I guess he can just do that. I was like, I, I was yeah. Not, I was not aware he was he was quite. I guess he can go like underwater and breathe underwater a really long time, and yeah. like. He's like getting like battered by like the the currents of the ocean, and he's like turning this rudder. Like Mr. Incredible, like for lack of a better word, he's incredible. Yeah, I know. And and like you're saying, it's like, and that's why I'm like, maybe, like, maybe I just gotta like sift back through this this movie with like a fine tooth comb because like in that final set piece specifically, it's like there are it's like maybe over a dozen supers involved in this set piece. But like, but again, it never buckles underneath the weight of them because like well, each of them. I, I will disagree with that a little bit. Well, I I mean in the sense that I would say at least in terms of spatially of like knowing where there are and like Brad like he has like a creative flourish with all of them and when like a little moment like Boyd getting Mrs. Incredible up until the plane. I'm like, this is amazing. It's a small again, a small little parcel, but it's like this is again so creative and it, it it's just like he's having so much fun in the action scenes and even if it is overflowing, that is. A note that other action films should take in terms of it's still all rooted in character and it's and he, you can tell he's asking himself he's like what can we do with this character right now it's like what like yeah, what, right. what else can we do and so there is the one thing that i'll say about that sequence is that you have all of the supers who are like on the deck of the boat and bob odenkirk just says all right get your get your ambassadors to safety and then they're just gone for the rest of the movie <laughs> his exit in the movie it is nothing short of astounding that I, I thought Brad Bird let this happen, in my opinion. But like when she, Evelyn's taking him on the plane and she has the line of, This is for your own good. And he like opens the door. He's like, No, this is. And he just jumps out. 
black that is a goofy moment yeah admittedly like the conclusion of their arc together (laughs) so (laughs) a bit flat i'd say that's fair that's fair Uh, so (laughs) so with all that being said what what is our final kind of uh assessment of this film i mean i i was a bit harsh in my letterbox review i don't i don't genuinely think the film is mid um thank you i was gonna have some words if you if you should call it actually mid sometimes i exaggerate on letterbox for the fun of it but (laughs) i i do think the film like we talked about like where where the film falters but i think the ideas that it presents the action it has and the moments where it actually does sit and with the emotion it's trying to portray and the jack jack stuff well, most of it is pretty great like there are a lot of there's a lot to like in here and i'd, I'd say more than not and but the thing is incredibles one you could argue is a perfect film and that's yeah. just you're, you're going up against the goliath in terms of just as a, a legacy sequel and that's probably why it got lost to time i mean it was also in the middle of an incredibly successful summer of superhero blockbusters it's just the timing of the of the release mm-hmm. and just the, the kind of sequel that it was, you know, following the of the of the first movie. That's how I see that, that the film didn't yeah. maybe live up. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I agree with I agree with uh, with Seb, I think, for the most part, at the end of the day, like this is a general audiences movie, but it's mm-hmm. also like it's also a movie that's like for kids. It's not, you know, a movie that's for adults. And like, uh, you know, like on that metric, like I, I hate to like baby down and like give it extra credit, but as, as like a pure entertainment, it's very successful. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you gave me the option to watch Incredibles 2 again or watch like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm picking out of a hat here. I don't want to insult any fans <laughs> of any particular movie. But if if you, if it's between that and like, even a movie that I enjoyed, like Shang Chi, mm-hmm. I think I'd rather watch Incredibles two mm. every single time. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely, you know, I, I'm very sympathetic to saying it doesn't live up to the original. I'm very sympathetic to understanding what the flaws are in the movie. But at the end of the day, you you have to appreciate a movie that was made by, for lack of a better word, an auteur. Like, uh, you know, yes. this was not a movie that was made. By committee, it is a movie that was made because of a guy's vision, and maybe the execution yeah. is flawed in in like certain segments. But you, I just like I I love filmmaking that feels personal and feels like it's the marks of of a true artist. And I think for everything else, at least Incredibles two is that. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's not a bad movie. Like, what are we? I don't know. No, thank you. I. Yeah, Mateo, you are taking the words out of my mouth. I this is this is a movie with a legible author and with with choices. Like there are, you know, there are clear choices in this film. You know, even if there are missteps, clearly made from a a singular human being. And and I think, like you said, as entertainment, I think as an action film, it's it's exemplary in a lot of ways. You know, in terms of how to structure a film around set pieces, perhaps, and how to orchestrate a set piece. And I think. Yeah, as far as action superhero affair goes, I think more notes could be taken from a film like this one. And and I think if I had to sum it all up in a little phrase, like if gravity was taken for granted, I think this movie may be uh, sneaky admirable and and perhaps and perhaps a bit misunderstood. 
perhaps a bit misunderstood because again, of the people who like genuinely think like I, like I saw some one stars on my feed. I and again, you have people calling it anywhere from mid to bad, and it's like, gee, like that is I I I. I think you are like one like onward viewing away from really realizing what like a mid picture <laughs> movie is not. As, apologies to all any any and all onward fans out there, and believe me, they exist. I've encountered them myself. But <laughs> respectfully, I think it's absurd to call a movie like this bad. Like there's clearly so much intention and love and skill poured into this film, even if it's overflowing, even if it's messy. I I, I think. Yeah. I think the level of competence is just so way too high. And the sheer amount of creativity is still undeniable. And, and like we said, at the end of the day, it's like the strength of the themes in the family dynamics, like get it, get it to a level of baseline good that I, I think makes yeah. this a make, makes this a respectful film and maybe more than it's got treated at the time. Right. So, so, so any, any final thoughts on, on this film? Um, I still, think the 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 changing of the model for tony at the beginning of the film is one of the most jarring things i've seen in my life um if y'all remember what he looked like in the first incredible <laughs> movie first what he looked like in the second it, i'm looking this it, up right now wait i gotta see this wait i'm, I'm looking this up right now Incredibles, tony, you, it's one, not even two. close to the same person whoa it, I remember going into the second one being like, that's not Tony. What are you doing? Like, what, what, what's happening? <laughs> that's here? crazy. But look how they so, massacred my boy. Seriously. It's <laughs> one of the most jarring things. I, I felt like I was being gaslit at the beginning of it. I, but, I, um, I, I love this um this triptych side by side. It says Tony Reidinger, Evo Reidinger Evolution, and it's Incredibles 1, Incredibles 2, and then the Lego Tony Reidinger. The Lego game. It's like, what? Why? It's like, whoa, he really fell off. He kind of he kind of dimmed down. That's crazy. Um, that's hilarious. That's funny. Okay, I mean, I feel like I feel like we rinsed this film well. Uh, thank you to everyone for, for listening this far. We really appreciate it. Like we said, new episodes weekly. Uh, th thank you for being a, a faithful view. If you listen to the first two, if you've platinumed the, the Postgres podcast so far, we, we dearly appreciate it. And uh, next week, a little tease, we, we will be watching uh, 2015's Birdman. So stay stay tuned for that sneaky uh sneaky another superhero film if you if you squint that's a joke that's we're not joke. one trick ponies we're not one trick ponies that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe a synthesis of our of our first two weeks but no yeah uh, hope you guys enjoyed and uh, we'll see you next time thanks for listening.